Hello and welcome to Hoopleheads, a Deadwood podcast and movie fail. I'm Josh Rosenfield, here with Soren Howe, and we're talking yep. about episode 8, season 1, Suffer the Little Children. Um, so let's hop right into it. Um, this was <laughs> an eventful episode. <laughs> yeah. For sure. It's funny, I was just uh, I was just messaging you about this and... I was like, "Wow, we have a uh, we have a lot to talk about, don't we?" Mm. Um, and you had you were 15 minutes out, which was pretty much the whole climax that I was just yeah. recovering from myself. So, <laughs> yeah. um, that's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, yeah, this it's... was uh, an intense episode. I'll say that. Yeah, I, I gotta say, I was. <laughs> it's funny in retrospect. I don't want to jump right to the end, but um, in retrospect, it shouldn't have been this surprising that the uh, Flora and Miles storyline. <laughs> came to such an abrupt conclusion because <laughs> I was thinking of it from my modern perspective where I'm like, oh, well, they got Kristen Bell. I mean, she's going to be around for a while. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but no, she wasn't She wasn't Kristen Bell uh, in 2004. Well, so, she, when, when did Veronica Mars come out? When was that? That must have been after this. Was it? It, it must have, I mean... Oh, well, that was the it, last... No, no, from 2004 to 2007, she was just getting on her, her own oh, show. Oh, wow. Time. Huh. This is probably the last like small part she did before she blew up. Probably, yeah. That's so interesting. <laughs> well, um, yeah, exactly. So it's it's funny that you that you thought that it. I actually had thought this storyline went on a little bit longer, but I don't know. I guess I guess it doesn't. <laughs> it's so funny how like you you remember things a certain way. Um, but yeah, not only did it go, we got like a full conclusion and a really good understanding of of the characters and in relationships with other people. Um, it was funny last week in uh, in the written component of this um, of our podcast, sort of the the summary I wrote. I was I wrote I, I was very focused subconsciously, I guess, because I I didn't remember it off the top of my head. But I was writing about how you know next week we'll find out how Flora and Miles you know affect the trust you know. Uh, people's trust in the camp and how they hurt people and whatever. Um, but I didn't actually know that it was all going to take place this episode. I had forgotten. Um, I just, I guess I sort of inferred it from the, from the title, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but anyway, I, I do like I the title. I didn't pick up on that, uh, on that part. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I guess we should just start at the top. Um, yeah, so we start, we start with Jewel washing the blood stain from the last episode, which is really, um, it's interesting because it, it means it immediately picks up. So like sometimes they do that and sometimes they don't, but this immediately picks up from the previous episodes. Uh, That's becoming uh, a motif closing. on this show: is people scrubbing blood stains out of the floor. <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, seriously, it's it's an interesting. Uh, it is. It's a nice. It, you like you say it's a nice way to kind of uh, establish uh, time. It's a, uh, you know, the stretch of time that's passed. Um, but also, it's. Uh, you know, like they don't—they don't wash out blood stains on like I don't want to keep going back to Game of Thrones, but it's—it's—it's a, it's a good point of reference in a lot of ways. Um, you don't see characters washing out blood stains on that show, really, or like, not really, at no. least not with—not with such uh, emphasis on it. And it's—it kind of goes to the way that that show treats death a lot more cavalierly. Um, well, you know what's funny though? It's like as we said in the show, it's not terribly bloody. We see the blood stains, but we don't usually see the blood. Yeah, I mean, Which well, I mean, <laughs> you say that. Things get uh, quite bloody at the end of this episode, but that's true. You're up that's to, up true, to this point. You're right. It, it has but I'm just thinking, like Dan stabs that guy in the the middle of the bar last episode, and we didn't really see much blood, but we do see the stain after the fact. Um, but I like the fact that the stains don't really ever go away. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's kind of a cool, 
And, and I don't just mean like, oh, they kept the stain in the set. You know, I mean like, <laughs> it's cool symbolically that you can't ever really get rid of them. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of a nice idea. I mean, depressing, and but just the idea that it, you can't just you know scrub it away. Um, and, uh, and, and actually it's, that's something they, they use in this episode to, you know, when, when Al challenges Jewel on not scrubbing the stain, you know, well enough a little bit later on, um, and then says, you know, I'll do it. And then sits down and, you know, starts scrubbing himself. Uh, he also doesn't really get the stain out. Mm-hmm. He just uses it as a way of sort of venting, it, uh, some of his frustration, uh, at the time, so it's it's interesting, and, and a lot of characters seem to do that. I mean, obviously, Jules just doing it because it's her job, but Farnham does it, um, and certainly we see Al do it in this episode as well. Well, and also the focus on the cleaning up is very. Um, it, it, the show is a lot more uh, puts a lot more stake in sort of the consequence of death uh, than a lot of its contemporaries, I think, do. Where a lot of similar shows will kind of focus very much on the event itself, the killing itself. Mm. And then, um, not really hang on to, uh, you know, maybe it'll impact the characters and sort of spiral out in certain ways. But the death itself is kind of it, it passes over by the next episode. And this show never has done that to this point. And this is a great example. Like someone's murdered in the bar, and it's not just about that moment. It's about um, there's a focus on what comes next and what it, what it means that that happened um, to that person. And what it means that the person to the person who did it specifically, mm-hmm. and it's never no, just about the moment. It's always about what comes after it. It's a very uh, mature storytelling uh, <laughs> thing that the show does. No, it is. It is. I agree with you. It is. It's really interesting, and it's funny actually um, thinking about that um, in this episode. You even get that in, in interesting, subtle ways in the background. So, it you know, a couple an episode uh, podcast or two ago, we were talking about. Um, uh, Bullock's scar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And in this episode, we it's still there. We still see this. He's still got these cuts and things from from his uh, his fight. Uh, but it's interesting to see his reaction. And it's not a major point or anything. But he still has the scars from it. It just it has extra meaning. I feel like when you can see the residual effects of this scarring uh, on him. And uh, or the you know these these wounds on him, and they're talking about how they just made peace with the Sioux, um, mm-hmm. you know, a, a couple of towns away, and it's it's just you know, it's like he's fresh off of this fight he just had with them, and now they're making peace, and Al's already looking towards what that means for Deadwood and for the town itself, um, and it's just it's interesting even if it I don't know that Seth is like oh well I'm still mad about what happened I don't think it's anything like that but just you know, for the viewer to think about how immediate it is and how jarring it probably was to get news. And and this is something we see sometimes in um, a lot of, you know, older or, or period uh, pieces where they, you know, two groups are fighting and then they get word that, you know, there was a peace. And, like, you have to, you know, just a day before you might have been fighting with a country that it turns out, like, a couple of weeks ago that you made peace with them. You know, and that that actually happens in that in the Aubrey Maturin series that I'm reading, uh, all the time because you know it takes months for things to get across the ocean, so you know you can have French and English ships fighting you know off the seventh, southern coast of South America, 
And then, you know, they get word that, you know, months ago there was a treaty signed between the two countries and you wouldn't even know. And it's the same case here where, you know, for all they know that that treaty was signed a while ago and, you know, the writers only just got to Deadwood, you know, <laughs> it may mm -hmm. have even been signed before Seth got into that fight. So it's it's just very interesting to this is think so, about it in that context. This is, a, this is drawing a great parallel between the two of us because your reference is these, the Aubrey Return books, but when you bring up this theme, my, f <laughs> my first thought is Metal Gear Solid 3. Um... <laughs> This is a major through line in that game where Nerd. Um, No, seriously it is. It's I'm just you know, it's <laughs> one of the major themes of the game is that uh Snake's mentor, the boss, uh, defects to the Soviet Union and he's sent in and he has to kill her. Um and he has this whole you know conflict of basically you know we're still the two same people but because of the way that uh nationalism works and because of the fact that our you know the two the countries, these two countries are at war. Now we're being told that we're enemies. Um, right, exactly, yeah, yeah. And uh, when ultimately, at the end, her whole, you know, she gives this whole speech about how, she, you know, she once went to space and she saw how, uh, you know, she realized that these borders between countries are all arbitrary and that's kind of what her whole deal has been. Um, yeah, and it's the exact same theme, this idea of, like, from one day to the next, you can be told that your relationship with these other people has changed because your home countries have decided on things that had nothing to do with you. Right, um, exactly. And it's yeah, it's, it's it's exactly that. It's exactly what you're talking about. Um, and it's and it's you know to greater effect here, just given the time period, like you say, like who knows when this treaty was signed, and these people were still you know it it, it had no impact on these people until they heard it. Right. Um, so it was it's it, it underscores the arbitrariness of the of the treaty and the conflict you know to begin with. Right, exactly. And yet, it does hold meaning, and they do talk about this. So, we should probably actually talk about what they what they get into. But before we before we do that, um, I do like this opening scene where Farnham's detailing his elaborate plan to murder <laughs> yes. Bullock and Alma. I, I figured you would love this scene. Oh my god, I loved it. It was so good. <laughs> and they're humoring him, too, by just sitting there and listening. Like, oh yeah, this is a great idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And he's, um, and he's got the whole thing mapped out, like, well, I'm not going to do it, but... Dan will definitely climb up and sneak into the room and kill them. Well, yeah, that's what I love. Al is like, he, as soon as he mentioned it, Al is like, all right, so go ahead and do it. Right. <laughs> He's like, oh, well, no, I, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give Dan the ladder and he'll climb up. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, but he's totally, this is what I love about, about Farnham. It's like, he's so goofy, but like, he's fully prepared to do this. Oh, yeah. He immediately is like, oh, yeah, we'll just kill him. And it's a it's a great way. I think it nicely um, it, it contrasts with Al in a nice way because from what we've what we came to understand about him early on was that he kind of had no qualms about having people murdered <laughs> if right. it suited him. Um, but I think we learned something very important about him here, which is that like he's he he does I think see killing as is if not a last resort, then not the thing he's going to jump to uh, right. in the way that Farnham does. Like just because it's the easiest option. He's not going to take the easy way out if he thinks that there might be some, you know, utility with these people later. And and also I love, he seems very optimistic to think that uh, at this point that, that Seth is ever going to come around to him. But he says, oh no, yeah, um, one day when, uh, you know, when the United States takes over, then uh, <laughs> uh, Seth will be a good, he'll be a good, like, front man for the town. He'll make us look respectable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, which is, I mean. He, I think he means that, too. No, he absolutely does. Um, but I think it's interesting that he's... What I love about Al is that he sees the world in such a fluid way, um, as opposed to, to Seth, where it was nothing is set in stone for him. Everything is set in stone for Seth. 
He's mm-hmm. his very like strict kind of view. You know, he gets a read on someone, and it's like that's how he sees that person. That's how right. he, he treats Al for sure. But Al is very much uh, like you know he was. He said all manner of awful things about Seth in the past couple episodes. But today he's like, oh, you know what? You know he could. He, he, I think he would be of some good use to us. I think we're gonna you know I'll keep him around and I'll become his friend and he'll help us out and he'll work with right. us. Um, even as he's, he's insulting him too. Still, I mean, I think he exactly, still, he still yeah. harbors some resentment. But yeah, he's willing to. If it if it means uh, keeping his little fiefdom together, I think he's willing to engage with it, which is exactly, yeah. hilarious. Um, so yeah, no, that's a uh, that's that's a good observation. Um, I think so. Just as the scene uh, comes to a conclusion, um, and then I do actually want to because I think you you bring up a really good point about Al um, that I want to get into because I think there's so many interesting parallels. A lot of this season has been parallels between. Um, the the gem and the Bella Union, and the t- two casts of characters, and I think that that's very clear, especially in this episode. Um, yeah, like really significantly, <laughs> importantly clear. Uh, and and I do want to talk about that before we do that. Uh, just to, in terms of major events, so the vaccine has arrived, which is pretty cool. Um, and by the way, just as you know, from like a medical standpoint, medical history standpoint, it's cool to see that they were doing these you know, how vaccinations worked at the time. So we get to see, like, how the little pinpricks work. And um, it's very similar. Uh, and it also makes me wonder, you know, if they could just inoculate with a little pinprick, why do we have to do this big shot, the injection, and all the rest of it? It, looks like it, it seems like it's a lot more of a pain in the butt now. Um, <laughs> well, there's no telling it, how, how much less or more effective <laughs> the pinprick true. technology was. That is true. That is true. Maybe that wasn't the best way to do it. And they do kind of just dunk it in alcohol and like just, you know, hope it works. I'm sure it's probably yeah. not the most sanitary <laughs> method, but still, I mean, it's just interesting to see. So there's that and the treaty with the Sioux. So that's really interesting. Um, and what's also interesting is to see, uh, first of all, I love that Johnny's lost his voice. Oh, that was episode. hilarious. That's Again, so good. That moment is a great example. We talked about a couple weeks ago when, um, Al is giving that very serious speech to his like henchman, and somebody farts. Right, right. Um, right. That's the thing the show does so well, where it'll kind of, <laughs> it'll uh, interject these moments of just of uh, kind of absurd humor. Um, it undercuts the tension, I think. Exactly. Yeah. Very deliberately, it it undercuts itself, but not in a way that um, not to the show's detriment. Yeah. No. It, no. No. It's very deliberate and very like. It's kind of a. It's a reminder that this, uh, it's not getting mired in, like, kind of the, uh, you know, the atmosphere of, like, an HBO drama, basically. Right. Um, it's not letting itself, it, it, <laughs> it's reminding you that, like, this isn't all, uh, dramatic and, you know, so heavy on, uh, you know, we're tell we're, look at this, you know, I'm not sure how to put it, basically it's, it, it's breaking up the, uh, it would be very easy to perceive the show as, in terms of just, this is a narrative that's being presented to me, and um, this is a story that I'm being that's being told to me, and the way that it breaks it up with these moments of uh, very realistic, but you know, you never see that on on TV shows. Honestly, you know what's like funny is is occasionally it would you know this other show would do, other show I'm about to mention would do this, um, but it's why I, I find it uh, more more than Game of Thrones even. Um, but why I find Breaking Bad just it's a good I mean it's I'm so torn because I think it, I do think it's a good show I don't think it's you know the second coming of shows as many people felt it was 
um, for a number of reasons. But I, I just, it's so dour. It goes for like 10 episodes where just, it just gets darker and darker and there's no lights at all. And, you know, it does have... I completely Go on. Hmm? Well, it does have... No, but it it does have moments of levity that do sort of... But they're not very frequent at all. Certainly, it's not... Certainly not like Deadwood. And it's just hard for me to believe that even in a world where things are as dark as they are, that they don't, at some point, have, you know, this this balance to it because it's just that's always the case you know I'm, I'm sure in like the darkest crime dens they still tell a joke every now and again you know like it's always going to be the case and i just i feel like deadwood often i'm sorry uh, breaking bad often sort of missed out on that and so I, I always felt i mean i liked the show and it hooked me but i also like i would i would be reluctant to keep watching and actually by the way another show i would say i, I felt that way about not to the same extent but jessica jones was very hard to get through a lot of it because they're really there's basically no levity in that show. It's just really dark and hard to, you know. Um, I think you know what's funny is like, it, but... well, f- first of all, I completely disagree about Breaking Bad. I think that's, <laughs> that that show borders on being a, a comedy at times. It's a, it's the show's hilarious on um, on a, on occasion, but there are there are definitely stretches where it's just really dark. Well, sure, but I think it's it is comic enough that um, it doesn't get mired in it for me. It's still tonally, I don't think it's completely dismal. Um, and I also, I feel the same about Jessica Jones, I, but I feel it also, I feel that Jessica Jones, um, earns that, uh, grimness in a way that a lot of it's, a lot of similar shows don't. Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, yeah. like I wouldn't want there to be a lot of comedy on a show like Jessica Jones just because the subject matter is so dark. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I, the show that I do feel that way about is, it's funny you mentioned Jessica Jones, uh, Daredevil. That show is a nightmare to get through. It is so <laughs> grim. It is so miserable. Um, that's funny. The only reason I got through the second season, and I didn't finish the first season, by the way, but I did. You still haven't went, finished the first? You just jumped no, to the second? No, but the oh, only reason funny. I finished the second season is because I thought the Punisher was a fun character. Um, that's true. Yeah, no, I, I liked him. I liked that performance. But yeah, that show is... I mean, you want to talk about grimness. I think that the Punisher goes so... Uh, it, it crosses the line. Like it, <laughs> like, it goes so grim that it like circles back around to being entertaining again. Um, it so that it, it yeah, but I tolerable. guess I guess not to get you know certainly not to get into spoilers for um, Daredevil or anything, but um, Daredevil's just so ridiculous that's hard for me to. I mean, this is an absurd show, I mean, and it gets more absurd the more stick related stuff gets involved. It's just so <laughs> well, silly yeah. that it's hard. It's like you know how dark could it get? Whereas Jessica Jones, aside from its you know main villain conceit thing, is and hero, uh, you know, super strength kind of thing, is mostly just you know. Uh, you know, like I think Jessica Jones is the best, you know, Marvel show, even with Luke Cage out. Um, but I just it it sometimes it was really difficult. I know that definitely in the beginning, the first few episodes, I didn't even want to keep watching. Um, but anyway, all of this contrasts, I think, for me with with um with Deadwood because I think that I not every show needs this, but I'm ten times more likely to like a show that can crack a joke every now and again, even if it is ultimately dark humor or black humor or sort of, you know, um, in in line with the rest of the show. You know, if the and show it's not part of the narrative. That's what I was trying to say earlier that I couldn't really get out. It's not like, you know, you talk about a show like Breaking Bad, its comedy is embedded in the story that it's trying to tell. It's always coming on that line. Um, whereas the thing with, <laughs> you know, where, you, uh, you know, the fart and all, you know, the guy who's lost his voice, it's very much an interruption of the narrative. 
and well, almost and like almost a reminder. Well, and it's almost makes it funnier, right? It's the unexpected. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's it has <laughs> nothing to do with the it has nothing to do with anything else that's happening. It's just a reminder that this isn't just a story that we're being told. Or well, it is, but it, it's an, it's a it is breaking up that story to remind us that we're living in a world and things are happening that uh, don't really have any bearing on. Uh, the story that we're being told. And I really appreciate right, and that's, that. That's really interesting. Cause then it's like, Johnny's got his own, like, you know, what was his day? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we didn't really get to see his day, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it, yeah, you're right. I agree with that. It's, you've got this, um, you've definitely got this, uh, the sense that the world, that this town keeps on living, which is something we, we've talked about before, but I just, I, I love that. I love that component of it. Um, and then I, it can manifest in these funny little ways. And then it becomes a recurring joke throughout the whole episode too. Um, even even the doctor can't you know handle his stupidity. And Johnny's really dumb. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he's like you know tea and honey, and he's like you know for for my inoculation. <laughs> like, really, um, it's great. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, moving on to uh, Flora, uh, who wants mm. to um, who comes to to Joni's room uh, to stay with her. So this relationship, we should really just probably power through this whole thing because it's really interesting their their dynamic in this episode. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, I think you had a certain read on it. Actually, I'd like to get your your thoughts on this because you had a certain read on it last episode, and I'm curious what how you feel about it now. Um, God, I'm trying to remember what I said. Okay, you know, I remember what I said last week. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely now that I kind of know. Now that we have a fuller picture of of their uh, relationship, uh, I think I said last week that uh, Joni was being a little more flirtatious than mm-hmm. Flora was. I don't necessarily know if I'd agree with that in this episode. I, <laughs> at least not as we see, you know, at least not <laughs> given what happens in this episode alone. Right. Um, but no, it's... Well, this scene is really interesting where she wants to stay with her for the night. No, yeah, it's uh, definitely, it's, it is, in the, you know, when the camera focuses on her taking off her boot and everything, it's very... Right, right. Um, which, by the way, that's the first time I've seen that kind of classically sexual uh, close-up as applied to, a, like, a, a foot. Um, you know, usually it, it's a very recognizable... <coughs> sorry, it's a very recognizable shot setup uh, when someone's undressing, when you get the kind of, like, very right, slow, right. Move, you know, and everything, but I've <laughs> never seen it applied to someone's shoe before. Um, well, you know, it's sort of the, you have to think of the time period, right? First of yeah. all, I can't even imagine, just imagine, by the way, imagine the actors, how much effort they had to go through to get dressed for these ridiculous, even Al, I mean, Al, so like you would like, oh, well, the, the women have these very complex outfits, particularly Joni, um, but even Al has this, he has the under, like onesie thing he's got, then the overalls, and then the shirt he wears over that, and, and by the way, in the heat, even in this like frontier yeah. town, which I also, blows me away. Um, Alma has this crazy, ridiculous outfit she's got on, and Joni has this. Um, it's, but it's also sort of representative of the time period in that how much you revealed and things like that. That was very significant. You know, Alma's always very covered, as compared with say the the prostitutes or uh, yeah, some of the other characters. And I think that there was also a level of status there and the rest. And so when Flora, you know, takes off her her shoe or whatever, I I do wonder what that meant for the time. You know, and and you know, maybe just, you know, just being slightly, re- you know, revealing was very sensual for the time, you know, depending on the context. Not that, of course, they didn't have sex and, and all the rest, of course, and we've certainly seen nudity, but I do think that there is that 
implication that the that even just partially revealing like your leg or your shoulder or whatever has this has this extra level of um, risque uh, sort of uh, cachet to it that we don't have now necessarily with somebody simply wearing like a t-shirt or something um, so I, I I do wonder also if it's if it's a if it's a period thing uh, I love moment. the shot that ends this scene of um with Joni, well, Joni's holding Flora, which is right. certainly like again, this is a great. <laughs> um, this is the uh, this is Flora ha- kind of having succeeded, uh, perhaps uh, greater it to it to, to a greater degree than she intended, um, which she talks about the next day. Um, but I love it. Really hangs on their faces for a really long time, and both their eyes are open. Um, as Joni right. kind of watches uh, Flora, and Flora just has her eyes open because she's not, you know, <laughs> she's not actually uh, going to sleep. Uh, it, it it connotes a very uh, it connotes Joni's feelings towards Flora, but also Flora's having a kind of greater awareness um, of what this relationship is than Joni does. And again, it just kind of stays on their faces for a really long time as they both get a lay of the situation um one of them to agree <laughs> one of them more than the other obviously but they, well, again, I, i'll always appreciate on any tv show when you just kind of let a shot linger uh you just don't see that on television a lot usually you just kind of got to cut away you got to get away to the next thing you got to keep it moving um oh that's, and that's why i can't wait to talk about the last scene with you um but yeah. uh <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I, I completely agree with you, but the more I think about their relationship in this episode, or what they're going through in this, especially this scene, I really have very specific thoughts on what they're, they're thinking. So I actually came to the decision that Joni had sized up Flora pretty early on. I think that she knew exactly what was going on, and I think that there was a, a twofold situation. Uh, one, Flora was... <sighs> There's a couple of things going on. I think Flora wanted Joni to make a move, like to 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 have sex with her, or at least try to have sex with her, or, or something along those lines. I do think that was something that was intentional, and that Joni didn't do it, and sort of instead held her, like almost like in a parental sort of way, a maternal sort of way. I think really made her angry because she that wasn't what she was going for. Uh, I think she was upset that she fell asleep, and. Um, sort of enjoy, maybe, you know, unconsciously, literally <laughs> enjoyed this, you know, them sleeping together in this sort of calm and and maternalistic sort of way. Uh, and I think that that was part of her anger the next day and why she acts so rashly. Uh, and I think that Joni has, I think when Flora confronts her later, I do think that some of what she says cuts deep. But I think Joni knew who she was or knew that there was something else going on and wanted to believe or felt sorry for her and wanted her to, wanted her kindness, wanted jo- Joni wanted her own kindness to sort of have an, an effect to, to cause Flora to make a different decision. And I think that was pretty clear. And she's even sticking up for her when there's really no way for her to make it out of there alive. And I think that there's, that, that was a very clear, um, relationship and it's interesting because it's not made explicit but i do think that that was i do think joni figured it out pretty early um along with sai and i think that the just narratively what what bolsters that idea is that because sai sizes the siblings up so quickly particularly flora 
Um, and the fact that we saw earlier with Andy Kramed uh, a couple of episodes ago that they clearly all seem to have run sort of a con or heist ring or something in the past that we've never really, we haven't really learned about. Uh, and that's why they're so amused that Andy is now doing the vaccine thing because, you know, he clearly has sort of a dicey past and this is sort of a, this really kind and benevolent role that he's taken on. Um, but their sort of criminal past, I think just as much as Cy, Joni was fully aware of the kind of people that these siblings were and, and sized them up pretty quickly. I, I disagree about Sai, actually. I don't get the impression that if Sai uh, had sized them up that early, that he would have tolerated them for so long. You know what I mean? No, not right away, but at some point during this episode. Oh, well, she... absolutely, obviously during this episode, but... Yeah, that's uh, what, yeah, that's what I meant, yeah. But I, I just meant you. early on, especially in relation to... I mean, Al never does. I, I don't think... think I don't think Sai really figures it out until the, the morning when they, when they try to pull it off. Um... I think beforehand he's more, he he thinks this is more about uh, Joni and what Joni is doing. I don't think he really has any impressions of. Oh yeah, of yeah, no, it's Laura. definitely in that morning. Yeah, no, it's definitely in that morning when she first leaves or gets ready to leave. Um, but she also senses that you know, oh, Sai's figured it out, and then she goes you know across and tells and tells Miles or allegedly Miles that this is uh, um, that they that her boss has figured it out. Uh, but I do think it's, by the way, I, I think it's interesting, and it's something also I want to talk about with, with Cy and, and Al and why one figured it out and one did not, because uh, that's also an interesting uh, element to um, the parallel storyline. Yeah, I mean, I, I we don't really find out, obviously, and we probably never will, but I wonder to what degree Al kind of sensed um, that something was up. I don't think he did. I think you're right. Because I think that Miles kind of played this sweet, dumb kid, and Al likes thinking that he has one over on people. Um, Al liked... I think Al enjoyed playing that role. And he role. likes acting paternalistic, which he does to pretty much... Definitely, everyone. yeah. When he And, you know, he lets the kid go, uh, quote-unquote, look for his father, um, you know, and take work off. Yeah. Um, he's also acting like, you know... I, I, he's not acting paternalistic towards Jewel by any stretch of the imagination. He's acting verbally abusive. Um... <laughs> But he, you know, when she can't get the stand out, like, he just does it himself. Right. And he's, you know... He doesn't, like, ber- he doesn't he doesn't punish her or anything. Like exactly, that. yeah. So his, uh, you know, and we can we should talk about um, that, that conversation's really interesting. I don't remember yeah. when it happens, but uh, we'll, that, that's a... It happens really... just after the uh, sleeping together uh, yeah. uh, thing. So let's, um... You want to you want to jump to that actually because I think that was yeah it. sure yeah you sounds like you have uh, some thoughts. Um, we we've been talking a lot about kind of the mystery of the Al and Trixie relationship, mm. um, and it only deepened with this episode. I gotta say, <laughs> um, it's a lot of this show. I I think so far has been about like uh, kind of unhealthy and you know well abusive and more specifically unhealthy relationships, um, and how people just drawn to go back to them over and over and over again mm. and and kind of the inability to escape something that you know isn't good for you um the uh, most prominent example early on was not just trixie but um bill and gambling kind of the mm. tragedy of bill he yeah, keeps sure, going yeah. back to the gambling table and he can't really escape it and it leads to uh his his uh, ultimate downfall obviously um but I, it's a major theme of the show so far the idea that people can't escape things that they know are bad for them or they don't want to or they don't right. you know or they don't think that they can 
Obviously, Trixie doesn't think that she can. Uh, she says as much in the last episode and this episode. Um, but Al, you know, it's not just that Al is cruel to her and she's, in, you know, and it's a kind of traditionally uh, abusive relationship. Um, when he's talking to Jewel about her, he's, like, really desperate to get her back. Um, you know, and he sh- he's like, what did I do wrong? <laughs> Obviously, he, like, he should know what he did wrong right. in treating her. But he was like, God, what did I do? I, you know, what, what did she say? What did, you know, he's very um, kind of harried in a way that we haven't seen him before. And it's really only Trixie that gets him that way. And it's made him that, his whole, the whole episode he's like that. Yeah. He can't, he can't handle it. And what's also interesting in this scene is, is Jewel sort of functioning as a moral check on him repeatedly. She keeps bringing up what he did to her. Mm-hmm. And he gets upset. Like, he's like, you know, all right, like, I don't need to keep hearing about how I hurt her, you know? Um, which is interesting, you know? It's sort of, it's so interesting. Al's such an interesting character because, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm thinking about Psy, uh towards the end of the episode and how and his interaction with, with Joni. And I do think that he's expressing genuine emotion, but it's sort of a it's sort of like I don't even know how to, I don't want to paint with a broad brush, but like you know, like teenage un like undeveloped, immature uh crush type thing that he seems to have for Joni versus Al I, I mean it's just a very different much less authentic where like it, it doesn't seem if Sai if Joni were to be like yes let's get married tomorrow uh Sai wouldn't really know what to do with himself and like I, it, it really seems like he's he doesn't quite understand and he would probably be a horrible husband and, and partner and all the rest of it because he's just like seems like a terrible person you don't really get that impression with Al you know that he's He's broken in a different way, but it's just, it's interesting to just contrast them and how, how he expresses his affection for certain people or how he's letting him, or is trying to let himself get close to, to Trixie, especially in, um, I guess how he's realizing his, his feelings for her sort of growing over time as well. It's just, I don't know, it's just an interesting, uh, interesting to compare the two. Well, Psy only has one mode, I get the feeling. It's that very, you know, <laughs> he's, he, you know, he's Powers Booth. He's, Powers Booth has that kind of inflection <laughs> where he always sounds sinister. He always sounds like he's, you know, got some, well, you know, horrible plan that he's about to inflict on you. Right. Um, even when he's being his nice guy casino, uh, you know, personality, he, <laughs> it's amazing that nobody seems to see, uh, see through it, but he's always got that very, you know, that like, um, Kevin Spacey House of Cards just, inflection. Nobody um, just stops and says, "Hey, that's Powers Booth." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen you know Powers Booth in everything, but I don't know that he's ever played a character who's just straight up a nice guy. Yeah, I, I don't feel like I've ever seen that either. No, um, but you know what? He does this really well. So he does. It's a perfect character for him. He's great. That's yeah, for sure. No, but he, de- you know, especially at, in that scene at, uh, near the end with Joni, he's yeah. It's it is a more straightforwardly abusive relationship in terms of just the, uh, in terms of what we see of like the ups and downs. And in that scene, he's very much like, oh come on, you know, I won't I won't do it again. I, I swear everything will be better. <laughs> um, you know, and obviously she doesn't. Uh, she sees right through it, based mm-hmm. on whatever past the two of them have had. Um, 
and he's making her all these promises about how she's, you know, you know, I want you to be happy and I'm going to do all this for you. And she's like, all right, well, I, <laughs> I need you to mean it because otherwise I'm going to kill you. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Which that line blew me away. Holy God. So good, right? Wow. You know, I know we're jumping ahead, but holy crap. Yeah, it's really good. Actually, well, we can we can keep going with um, with Flora and uh, and Miles, and that that'll bring yeah, us back yeah. to to Joni at the end. So, um, so yeah, it's interesting. I I genuinely think that Al's too sentimental to really see Miles and 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 Flora for who they really are, and I think I mean it's funny, and he he mocks Dan for being blinded by lust, you know, mm-hmm. um, but. In reality, he was too, and I think that that bothers him. And he doesn't—I mean, he doesn't get into it that much, obviously, towards the end. But uh, I mean, but he does deflect. He deflects from the fact that he didn't see it coming either, to immediately pushing it on to Dan and like, well, Dan, you know, well, it's your—you should have been you know, more on the ball or whatever. But it, you know, he also—he did, you know, let it go by. And it's probably because he's not a complete sociopath like Sai. And I think that's <laughs> important to distinguish the two of them. Um, by the way, I also like just as Miles is about to go out to look for his dad, supposedly, um, that where he Al like sarcastically salutes to him. Yeah. <laughs> and he just he just unironically salutes back, like, all right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just completely over his head, but of course it's not. It's all complete fiction. Um So yeah, no, I I like this. And you know, it's interesting too, you know, I have to wonder what Miles thought of Al. Because there was that scene where Flora's trying to push it forward, and Miles is like, you know, do you have a plan? You just want to kill someone. You don't seem to really, you know, this isn't the most efficient way to do this. And he turns back to look at Al for a, like a, a healthy little, you know, few seconds. And I do wonder if he felt some basic affection for Al, you know, even beyond his, you know, con artist. Yeah, well, these siblings seem to be well-matched to the people who they who they were working, because, um, yeah. well, what he says to her in that scene is, like, you just want to get this over with quick so you have an excuse to kill someone. Right, exactly. Um, which was, like, whoa, okay. Um, yeah. We got a, we, we very quickly get a very, very different impression of Flora in this episode, right? Like, <laughs> this whole sequence Don't of her leaving... do you love when she's on her own? I yeah, mean, exactly. She just... She just turns into a completely different person. Everything, yeah. She just immediately turns into this, you know, <laughs> very foul-mouthed, um, aggressive person. Um, yeah, from the instant she leaves the Bell Union and walks over to to meet her brother, yeah, she just wants to she wants to get it over with, um, you know. And you had your uh, you kind of explained what you thought about why that is. Um, I didn't really pick up on that, but I think you're probably right. Um, I just she just seems so angry at what happened, and I think. I think she's angry when she wakes up. She's furious that she fell asleep and she sort of fell into it. Because when she gets up, she's she takes her hand, you know, she takes Joni's hand off, and then she goes and looks in the mirror. She's not like scoping out, encasing the joint. She's just looking at herself, like, why did you let yourself get so close, or why did you let yourself, you know, whatever, and you know, sleep and like you're supposed to be working this place, and instead you cuddled. You know, <laughs> that's not that wasn't the goal here. Um, yeah, so it's just it's yeah that was definitely interesting, and I think that that comes to a head when they confront one another a bit later. Um, yeah, what did you think of this? Scene? So it's funny that that Miles is like you you do have a plan, right? You know, if you're going to be pushing this forward, and it's sort of implied that she says yes and then tells him a plan, but then it turns out her plan is basically to walk in, take the jewels, and walk out. 
Your plan is terrible. It's, it's terrible so bad. <laughs> Which I think is is um, speaks to the fact that she's just, it, you know, she's completely not acting rationally at that point. Yeah. Because um, they spent so much time building up this trust and these, you know, whatever, and then she just, she's like, whatever, I'm just gonna do it. Um, and it's a it's a terrible plan. Uh, but I really like this scene where where um, Sai sort of tells Joni to go and follow her. And of course, Joni knows that this is probably there's something going on, um, and she comes into the room and they have this this back and forth, and then she lets her go, uh, and then even tries to tell Sai not to to stop her. Um, I just I find that I found that really. I think it says something about Joni that she's not she's certainly she's not like you know the vindictive sort of person that that Sai is because Sai would never let that that go um yeah it's really interesting she's willing to let flora like get away with it basically like she understands that if she when she makes the choice to let her go uh she understands that she's you know she's letting her like i said she's letting her get away with it she's uh completely willing to just say all right you know take my stuff i would rather you do that than you know be murdered here right um because that's the only other option at this point um, that kind of empathy for someone who very clearly does not care about her and has been manipulating her is really, uh, yeah, like it's it's a really interesting character trait. And it's uh, although it's not so different than uh, Sai, I guess, who also doesn't, <laughs> um, <laughs> who doesn't seem to care. I mean, cares about her supposedly, but you know, talk about you know relationships that are uneven, uh, one side versus the other. Um, I guess that's sort of typical for for Joni. Um, yeah, so it's it's interesting in that regard, and I just it's sad, and I think it's I think there's a, that element of tragedy to the to this situation, and also I you know I think that it's it's an interesting manifestation of what she talks about when they first are together in in Joni's room, and she's saying, or she's she's talking about you know what what agency do you have as a prostitute basically, and she says you know like you you have control over things until you don't. But up to the point you do, you should take advantage of the control you have. Um, and when things are about to go south, you should get out. And she's giving honest advice that, of course, Flora is probably ignoring. Um, but I think Joni is exercising that agency as much as possible uh, throughout this whole episode. And I think that's really interesting to to watch it as it sort of unfolds. And by the way, interesting, this episode features a lot of... Um, interesting let's just say roles for women uh and how they get treated in this episode but it was actually written by a woman um yep. so uh was it elizabeth sarnoff elizabeth sarnoff yeah so um yeah it's just it's interesting to see that because i was thinking about this episode i was like wow this episode's really rough <laughs> really rough particularly on women who who really are getting um are getting uh the, the raw end of the deal uh and then i was like oh i wonder if this was written by you know a man or a woman well, it was written by a woman I found that really interesting. Um, so yeah, so so we have this. So and then we, so she leaves, and then basically they get tackled in the street. Miles and uh, Flora get tackled in the street after uh, Flora stabs Sai, um, and he orders everyone after them, and uh, they get beaten in the street, which is a pretty brutal scene. Uh, and then there's that. Yeah, I gotta love the framing in the scene where, um, uh, who is it? Who? Uh, is this when, Eddie on the staircase with? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I Eddie, was gonna call out this shot too. It's so ah. good, right? 
It's like a it's like a Hitchcock shot, isn't like it? The, yeah, it's like it's this like a weird portrait. like vignette shadow around them. Oh yeah. Um, and you know he's out of focus in the background, and the 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 depth of the sh- oh my god, it's so good. It's really cool. It's really cool. And then you know they're having this conversation, and then there's that it's this weird scene where uh, Joni walks up the stairs as Eddie's sort of staring forlornly <laughs> to, the, to the to the distance. And she sort of looks at him as she walks by, but they don't really acknowledge each other. And uh, it's just such a disturbing scene because she knows exactly where she's going and Eddie knows what's happening. Mm. And then you have to wonder how many times something like this has happened in the past because they've all been together for some time. Um, and that dynamic, you know, how many times that dynamic has been established. Um, yeah, and then you get this horrifying scene where we get to see Sai for basically who he really is. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's brutal. <laughs> you know, yeah, like like we were saying earlier, we've talked a lot about how the show doesn't really get too gory and bloody, and there's violence, but there's not a lot of uh, gore, and it doesn't really revel in it. Uh, I wouldn't say this scene revels in the violence. It's a, it, it, oh, not uh, at all. It, which, is, which is interesting, because it is the most violent scene by a country mile uh, on the show so far. Oh, but definitely. it is the way it employs these uh, very quick cuts... And all this kind of very blurry, kind of floaty camera work, um, it, it it maintains a uh, distance from the violence while still kind of, you know, getting across how brutal and how horrific it is. Uh, it's interesting that it makes it, it it makes the scene basically from Miles and Flora's perspectives, right? Uh, in terms of how it's shot, which you never see on shows like this. The violence is always from the perspective of the people committing it. Um, and a lot of shows will make that in its own way seem horrific, like, oh, you know, what has this person done? But it, ultimately, there's very few shows that can genuinely pull off making you, putting you in the perspective of someone who's, uh, of a violent person, and making you feel like, uh, oh, wow, they're really bad. Um, Breaking Bad, whether or not that, you know, <laughs> you look at how many people kind of misinterpret that show, and you tell me how well it did at doing that. Um, you know, The Sopranos is probably a better example, but that's a more complex show in general, I think. Um, but yeah, the idea of putting you in the shoes of someone who is having violence inflicted upon you uh, in order to kind of uh, accentuate uh, how awful it is, um, especially on a show that's on HBO, and HBO shows are, you know, by their very nature, extremely, extremely violent. Um, it becomes... It's not self-critical, it's certainly not, you know, in a kind of, you know, postmodern way. Uh, like, oh, isn't it awful, this violence that you're watching? Like the kind of cheesy way that video games like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is effective at conveying just the, like I said, the brutality of this of this entire scene. You know, I definitely agree with that. And it's it's really hard to watch, not because of, you know, it's funny that you, because I didn't really think about it, but I did feel it during this, this scene. Um that it wasn't so much the you know the cuts and bruises and all the rest of it, it was how yeah, the psychological end of how awful it is that size sort of toying with Flora towards the end of the scene. It just makes it so hard to. I mean, he keeps talking about how she you know you must have brain damage now and you know you're not even close to where I am and you're trying to grab for the knife and you you know you don't even know where I am right now and. It's just so, like, yes, she's trying to grab the knife to stab and kill him. <laughs> and she's, like, a crazy murderer thief person. Sure. This is all very true. 
on the other hand, it's still pathetic, you know? And it's just so hard to stomach, you know, as size, you know, basically torturing them before they, you know, before he murders them. And by the way, not really for any particular reason. If he's going to kill them, there's not really a purpose to all of that. Well, yeah, there's not a purpose to any... I mean, he says something to the effect of, like, you know, I gotta show people that they can't mess with me, but he's doing this in private. Exactly. No one's seeing this. And everyone already saw the beating out in the street, so there's no reason to do any of this, except that he, you know, he wants to do it. Um, The only people who are seeing, you know, this is how I treat people, are the people he's torturing and murdering. So it's really not coming to anything other than uh, the, you know, the feeling that he's probably getting, like you say, because he's a sociopath, uh, and what... uh, he's impressing upon Joni. Really, it's more about that, is what he's showing to Joni. I think the synopsis for this episode says something like, Sai teaches Joni a deadly lesson, um, which is accurate, because yeah, that's really what, that's the entire purpose of this. That's the only reason he's doing this to these two, Right. is uh, it, it's all about her, um, which makes it all the more disturbing, you know, especially when he makes her uh, pull the trigger at the end. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I like it's so quick how he kills he kills Miles and then he makes her kill jo, uh kill Flora. And uh, and she and then, tries and to then, yeah. Oh, and yeah, what does he did she try to kill herself after? That's the impression I got. I mean, yeah. it's either I don't I I think it's meant to be ambiguous like is she trying maybe to shoot him? Um but given everything else, I think it's, you know, pretty clear that she's going to try and shoot herself. Which um, draws a direct correlation with uh with Trixie then. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. Um, so we're saving the Trixie stuff because I want we can tie it into the the last scene. Um, but yeah, this is a really it's it's really interesting, and then it makes it so much more disingenuous later, just shortly after when Sai comes up to uh to Joni and makes this you know another proclamation of love basically, and it's like all right, mm. you're crazy, <laughs> like wow. By the way, I do like the the moment when Al. After Al learns this whole thing and what happened at, at the clearly news traveled very quickly throughout the town, and um, he he tells as long as he's telling Farnham or Dan or somebody that they should go and check with Wu to make sure that they're not getting fleeced on you know find out what side yeah. paid to get the bodies out because I don't want to end up paying extra you know <laughs> um, if he's paying a lower fee, a lower fee and it's like wow I'm so glad everybody's so sentimental in this town. I want to learn more. That's the character I want to see more about because we we know nothing about Mr. Wu, but we hear about him quite a bit. <laughs> hey, that's how things function, you know. It's without Wu, what is how does the And by the way, not to again, not to spoil anything in Luke Cage. Um and I don't think this would spoil anything for anyone, but the villains or villain or whoever, you know, whatever. Uh do use a corpse disposal service in that as well. So I find it kind of funny that uh uh Nothing's really changed, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Mr. Robot uh, characters do that as well, by the way. Again, yeah. not to spoil anything, but that's part of the show. <laughs> Got to do something with uh, with the, the dead bodies. I mean, what else mm-hmm. are you going to do? Um, so the other sort of parallel storyline, which we can sort of zip through, is the is Alma. Yep. So uh, first of all, the girl has a name, Sophia. Mm-hmm. Stop calling her the girl. Nice. Um, (laughs) uh, So that's cool. She's like a full-fledged character now. Uh, Still can't really talk. Uh, Which (laughs) does lead to a great scene where Alma's trying to tell her where she's going. Yeah, exactly. That explains it about four times before she says, just stay here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And amidst all that, it still manages to uh, 
refer to Farnham's restaurant as ridiculous or was it absurd? <laughs> Farnham's absurd restaurant <laughs> downstairs. Um, yeah. Oh my God. Oh, when, uh, I don't want to jump ahead. No, Farnham. Farnham later in the scene is amazing. Oh yeah, he's he's really fantastic. Um, so Bullock still has his scar, and uh, they decide to. He's. It's interesting. Bullock is very forceful in this episode. Very domineering. It doesn't seem to really want Alma to leave. And I think that's become abundantly clear. Um, like in the past, it was sort of good-natured, like, "Oh, I'm looking out for you, even though you don't, you know, you don't want me to anymore." But like, it's fine, I'll do it. And now he's like, "She's not leaving. <laughs> She's staying in the town." And he keeps telling her, "Like, no, no, you should stay here." <laughs> and she does eventually. Oh, and then after she says, "I'm going to leave anyway," despite the fact that there's this gold claim, uh, he then tells. Al, that she's not leaving. Like, no many times she says, I'm leaving. He says, no, she's not leaving. And it looks like, from what we can tell, she is going to stay. Uh, which I find just really interesting that he sort of made this decision for her um, in this episode. Uh, but yeah, so so we have this, uh, this they go and assay the claim, and, and uh, Al and uh, Al's decided, much to Farnham's um, dismay, that they have uh, given... Uh, they're going to give uh, Alma full stake in this claim again because Al is banking on the fact that um, it, with the treaties and everything else that he's going to end up making a lot more money in the town I don't really know how that's supposed to work but he seems very confident that this multi-million dollar claim is not significant compared to how much money he's about to make which I find really interesting um, that or he's just calling it you know, flying the, the surrender flag uh, but I don't really see why he would bother I mean, it's not like, you know, Seth doesn't have any idea what he's looking for. And if he didn't bring Ellsworth along, there's no way anybody would know. If he just said, oh, yeah, no, it's it's really, uh, the claim is completely dead. And there's nothing there, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I think he wants to, you know, he, he wants to kind of uh, open the door to this possibility of Seth working with him in the future. Um, so right, he yeah, which is interesting. wants to, you know, what he says to Seth in the scene later on is like, come on, share a drink with your, like, uh, vanquished foe. Um, right. He's he's playing. Yeah, but part I couldn't of... tell if he was serious. You well, know, he's definitely like... not. But he's he he's putting himself in a position where you know he can feel like uh, you know he can act. I guess like Seth diminished has like a, a point and, of good and, uh, faith. Yeah, yeah. And defeated basically, so that Seth can to make himself more sympathetic, probably. So he's like, all right, you know, look, we, I know we've had this thing now, but it's over now. We lost, and now we can move on to the things that I want to move on to. Um, and but but I think it's significant though that he said that he's giving him a point of good faith that he said you know like clearly now Seth is going to be able to look back and say oh well Al did something good once mm-hmm. in my full view he actually allowed me to assay this claim and pointed out a multi million dollar claim that he will not have any part of so now that Seth can maybe think maybe Al has you know will occasionally isn't always trying to do something terrible <laughs> yeah. and he and, and he makes so, Al promise not to uh, not to harm Alma even though she's staying in town. And I don't know right. if he has any reason to believe that, but the longer that Alma stays, you know, unmurdered, the more reason he has to believe in that. So. Yeah. Right. So now, he, now Al has two ways to sort of prove his. And honestly, aside from the claim, they don't really have any reason to interact with one another, uh, yeah. Al and and Alma anyway. So I suppose that's um, it's an easy promise to keep, assuming she doesn't poke her nose into any other random, <laughs> random <laughs> goings on in the town. Uh, um, yeah, and the only other thing, the other part of the scene is um. Say. <laughs> is um, uh, Seth reveals to Al that Farnham <laughs> came right. to him with a 
tried tried to what how does he put it? He said he tried to uh, skim some cream off the top of this deal. Right. <laughs> and I do I do think that it's interesting that when when uh, when Al says you know I wouldn't trust someone who didn't try mm-hmm. to stay, take some off the top, which is interesting. I think that that he there's some truth to that, but I think he's furious that. Oh, obviously. Oh, we we <laughs> we skip right over the scene where um it's revealed that you know where. Where Alma and Seth come out and reveal to Farnham that uh, it's a bonanza on the claim, and it's this like really long zoom into his oh, face. Oh yeah, we're like, just oh like, that's great. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they really hold on to that, don't they? Oh, it's cracking up. Yeah, so good. Yeah, um, yeah. Farnham, Farnham's a Farnham's a character. <laughs> um, so then, backdropping this whole, you know, is she going to stay? Is she not? It's Trixie, right? So. The whole episode, for about half the episode, we're looking for where, you know, where's Trixie, and we finally find her on the floor of uh, Doc Cochran's. Um, uh, by the way, before we we get into Trixie, I do love um, A. W. Merrick's small role in this episode, where he oh, shows yeah. up. Where he shows up to the doctor's <laughs> office, and he's convinced that his small, his lower back pain is the uh, onset of of smallpox. Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> and, and the doctor diagnosis. just wants him out, but it's just like, <laughs> I mean, it's good. It's good natured, uh, but it was it is highly amusing, highly amusing scene. Mm. Um, the hypochondriac, of course. Uh, so, in any case, um, it turns out that Trixie has overdosed on on laudanum in an attempt to kill herself, um, and uh, it's really sad. And it's interesting because it does parallel what Joni tried to do with the gun. Um, and they do have these parallel sort of really very bad relationships with their respective pimps, basically. Um, it's really, uh, it's curious to look at, at how each of them handle this. Uh, especially since Joni's basically given, well, you know, it's it's curious. What does, what does Trixie do at the end? But in any case, um, so first we have this interesting scene where, where the doctor offers uh, Trixie a chance to go with Alma to New York. And it almost seems like Trixie would be willing to do that together, just not on her own. Which I do, I wonder, I wonder what your thoughts are about this, especially in the context of last episode's final conversation. Yeah, it's interesting that she's, um, well, first of all, I like that the, that uh, Cochran is, he lies to her, but it turns out he was kind of accidentally telling the He's truth. Spot on. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, she did make that offer. Um, but when Trixie hears this, what she's hearing is like the offer still stands, which I think is uh, probably significant given the, uh, she very forcefully tried to, you know, she, everything she said was to get the to get Alma to leave her alone. Um, but when she hears this, what she comes to understand entirely by accident is that Alma doesn't care and she's still willing to help, and that's you know significant. Um, to an extent, probably. Obviously, she doesn't follow through. Um, but it... Um, gosh, what was I going to say? Well, it's interesting immediately, because then we see, when we see the Doctor and, and, and Alma talking a bit later, um, and she's trying to figure out why she said yes now and didn't before. Uh, and we have they have basically the conversation you and I had in our podcast. <laughs> um, you know, that... She, you know... The doctor calls Alma's original offer a masquerade, right? That for her to go and pretend to be this high society person would just be, well, he, he says it, you know, like a cruel joke or a cruel, you know, 
uh, fate to put on someone who doesn't know how to be in that world at all. Um, and I think that's really interesting, you know, doesn't have an education. But it's funny, you know, she's like, you know, you, you don't have an education and all the rest, and that's true. Um, but on the same token, it's clear that Trixie's quite bright, right? Like, she seems to have a very good, I mean, maybe not book smarts, but she seems to be very sharp and able to, you know, she runs even just the gem, you know, she's just, even as she's coming back right at the end to go and see Al, um, she's looking out for jewels. She's telling what David or whoever the guy is behind the bar who we've never met before, you know, to wake up and all the rest of it. She's, you know, she's, she's able to take charge. We've seen her, her maneuvering with Al and, and covering up the whole Alma recovery situation, uh, with, relative ease and i think there's a sense that she is quite smart and there's that moment earlier on that uh, a couple episodes ago where she where saul suggests she takes a look at the the books so that the financial records and she does look at that as if she might be able to do that uh, or she'd be interested in learning um so i I, we do get the impression that there is something there but she hasn't been trained or, or she hasn't learned how to be in that world at all and so you know Doc Cochran sort of puts it in that context. Like, this would not be... No one would want to do this. It would, it would be like, you know... Like a masquerade, like a costume. Like, she's pretending to be someone she's not. Um, sort of a pretty woman situation, actually. <laughs> hmm. um, so, yeah. No, it's interesting to see that. Uh, and it's interesting to see, see them have this conversation um, in that context. Uh, it's also interesting a little bit later when... Um, Alma, <laughs> Alma immediately reneges on this whole plan of moving out to New York, even though Trixie was willing to do that, and says, well, actually, I'm going to stay here because there's a claim, and I should probably stay here, and I'm going to stay here with the kid, too. But you can still go, and then gives her gold, which is basically exactly <laughs> what she was going to do before. And, you know, it's like, I, I don't know why you think that you're going to get a better outcome at this point um, from Trixie. So... I guess we should we can just roll into the last scene, I suppose. Yeah, it's uh, it's speaking of parallels, this is a great parallel to the end of uh, episode three, I guess it must have been. Uh, like I said, with Bill going back to this, going back to uh, the gambling table, kind of, and everyone's watching him. Walk, oh yeah. Walk back to town. It's it's the exact same thing. Um, I was thinking the end of episode one. Oh, which what is was another that? Wordless encounter between. Oh, Trixie no, exactly, that too. It's the exact same thing. Um, right. Where she walks into the room silently and puts something on the bedside table and then, you know, gets undressed and gets a gun. It's the exact same scene. Right. Um, um, very interesting. It's very interesting, yeah. So I, I really like this scene. So the, just as a quick uh, recap of this. So Trixie's recovered and everyone's waiting to see where she goes. So the first person who sees her is Joni. And it's really interesting. I think there's this, there's definitely a sense of um, solidarity of, you know, the women in this town, well, particularly the prostitutes, all being sort of under the thumb of the patriarchs of the town. And I think that that's a clear, you know, that this, that, that parallel is very, made very clear here. And I think, I don't know if Joni knows what's going on with Trixie and knows that whole story because they've never interacted as far as we know. Mm-hmm. Which is also interesting that they haven't really met, as far as we can tell. Um, but she sees her, and there's this sense of sadness when she as she sees her walk through. And again, because we haven't seen them interact, we don't know what the relationship is. But as viewers, we can definitely put 
the connection directly between them. And they cut back and forth between these two characters quite a few times uh, in this scene as she's staring at her from, from the terrace. Um, then we see uh, Doc Cochran sees Trixie walking towards the gem as well as Alma sees Trixie and they're all just sad that that's where she's headed, right? Because they know that that's, that's she's making her decision. Um, and it may be because Alma made this decision to stay in the town and Trixie realized she had no out. It's not really clear. Um, but just as a recap of exactly what happened here. So first she looks out for, like I said before, she she um, makes a comment to Jewel, tells David, again, this character we've never met, uh, to stop sleeping. Uh, and then um, she goes up to the room. She doesn't even knock this time. She just comes right in. There's no, that's the first of all, the music's getting super tense. Um, she walks over to the bed and Al doesn't really move or react. But uh, does, you know, when she gets closer, um, she covers up her track marks or whatever from when she injected uh, the laudanum into her veins. Uh, and then he pulls it away. Um, she slaps him after he sees her, you know, what, what happened. And uh, then she, you know, after she slaps him, she strips down and gets into bed but faces away from him. I feel like there's so much going on here body language-wise. Uh, just in the context of their relationship. Um, I think there's definitely a, a, a implication that, you know, she's blaming him. Like this, basically, I think she's preempting him blaming her or getting angry that she tried to kill herself. Uh, whether or not that was going to be his reaction, I don't know if that's the case. Or maybe his sadness, because, you know, certainly Jules' words, I think, have sort of um, rattled him a little bit and I wonder if in this scene he's like oh I didn't realize I hurt you so badly and whatever his feeling is she slaps him before he has a chance to express it right <laughs> like mm -hmm. it doesn't matter like I tried to kill myself you know and it's I think that's really significant in this moment um, yeah he he seems genuinely like shocked um you know and set back on his heels which is not something not not an expression we've seen from him a whole lot this far. He seems to... Not at all. Yeah. You know, and he has been all through this episode. Like you said, he's, he was very frazzled when uh, uh, when he couldn't find her, and now the reveal of what happened, he seems, like, really, really uh, taken aback. And, yeah, again, you know, we don't really know what the outcome of this is going to be. Um, it's interesting that it seems like... She, she treats it as almost like it's her it's her duty. Like, she's loyal to him. And her putting the gold on the on the nightstand is like saying, "I'm, I had the oh, again, I that. Yeah, again, yeah. it's the exact same thing with the gun, which I think now we can put that scene in better context. It's like, I had the opportunity to get away from you, but I'm not, and I want you to right, yeah. very, that very clear. Um, now, what we still don't really have a grasp on is why she feels so compelled to demonstrate to him that loyalty. Um, why she cares so much, I guess, that he uh, sees her, especially since he's she's gone against him several times now, <laughs> rather significantly. She's she's really uh, she's disobeyed him in a number of ways, but it's still important to her, you know, either for self protection or whatever the reason is that he knows that she uh, is is with him, whether she likes it or not. And she very clearly does not like it. Um, and Al seems kind of, you know, 
not I don't know about horrified, but he's really surprised by uh, the fact that she, the, the fact that he made such an impact on her. And we'll see where their relationship, where, what impact that has on their relationship, I guess. But I assume right. well, it's going to be rather significant. I think she's angry that he doesn't like that he is surprised at all. She's like, like, how dare you? You know, what you did was unacceptable and would make anybody, you know, drive anyone to the brink. Because what you're the way you've treated me has been, you know, atrocious. And I think that that's, you know, it's like, it's like, well, I didn't realize that, you know, like I offended you, you know, it's like that kind of, (laughs) (laughs) and she's just like, no, we're not having that. You did something terrible and you should have known that what you did was terrible and that, you know, don't, don't, don't act surprised um, at this point. Uh, One thing that is interesting though, just different from that first scene in the first episode is uh, I do believe they have sex at the end of that scene. Yes, or is it not until the next? I th- I think it's not until the next episode. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember, but yeah. I, I'm pretty sure they did, but they they may not have. But I think it's diff- It's in- it's interesting in this case that she get she does get naked, but they very she very clearly faces away from him and it d- isn't touching him at all. And I love, by the way, I love this final. I mean, th- by the way, this whole scene is incredible. I just let's throw some actual criticism in there. I think it's amazing. I think it's really good. Um, and I love how tense the music is getting. And I love this last scene where she's just, he's just sort of looking at her and she's facing the camera or almost, you know, in the direction of the camera uh, and gets into bed and is just sort of trying to maintain her calm and sort of stare out. Uh, and then it cuts to black. Oh, it's so good. It's so good, such a good, uh, such a good moment, and I do think that that body language definitely indicates that um, she's establishing more power in their relationship. I think that's also something significant, especially since she's. Done I don't this know if she is now. though. You don't think I so? I mean, I, I I think there is a power in demonstrating that. Uh, yeah, no, I think this is very much she's returning to this position, uh, you know, underneath him, um, very deliberately though. And I guess there is a certain power in that, but I don't know if she's establishing a certain. I, I certainly wouldn't say she's, you know, establishing a dominance over him in this moment. I don't. Oh, well, I don't know that. that she would have slapped him before. Uh, that's a good point. And, and but again, their that's... relationship is the power dynamics in their relationship are so fraught, and it seems to kind of fluctuate, you know, true, all all over the place. So it's hard to kind of. It is, you know, although the last time he said, and he has made many indications that he would. Not that I honestly don't know that he would, unlike Sai, who I think would kill Joni if he had to, you know, if he felt like he had to. I don't know that Al would. Um, hurt her, yes. Kill her, probably not. No, and so no. in in this moment when, she, you know, and he knew that last time she saw him, he made, he threatened her. And I think, you know, the fact that she came back was basically saying what Joni said in words, but physically, you know, to say, like, Either kill me or don't kill me, but we're not doing this. This this business here, what we were doing before, is not working for me. Clearly, because mm. I just tried to kill myself. Um, and I think I think that is something she's communicating here. I don't know, and we'll have to see how the relationship manifests from here on out. But I do wonder what they're, you know, especially in terms of physical abuse and that kind of thing, if that's going to continue uh, into future episodes. Yeah, it's hard uh, to know. Well... And and by the way. Um, I just want to point out in a sort of a broad sense, it makes me wildly uncomfortable 
<laughs> to like contemplate this. Like, I wonder if the physical abuse will continue in, in this relationship <laughs> on the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's hard to like a character like Al. Like, I do think he's a very good character. Like, uh, he's well written, and um, sometimes he does good things. Um, but he's also, like, in the real world, would be a horrible, horrible person who nobody would like. <laughs> Hmm. So it's funny. It's just it's interesting to contrast that and to talk about it, and it almost feels like in very glossy, glib terms. But you know, we sort of have to take him in the context of this particular society and and who he is and his station in this frontier town. So yeah, it's it's very unnerving and weird to talk about it in this context. I don't know if that's definitely, if that you feel the same way, but it's no, just definitely very weird it's to... it, that's that's true of any any show of this nature. I think in terms, yeah, calling someone a good character and the difference between that and a good character, um, yeah. is rather stark. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say stark because uh... yeah, I know. As soon as I said it, I regretted <laughs> it. <laughs> um, all right, cool. Yeah, so I think that that about does it for this episode. Yeah. What is the next one? It's here. No other sons or daughters. No other sons or daughters. What a cool name. See, now we're getting back into the cool names again. Yeah, definitely. What was the one that I didn't, I, I wasn't a, as big a fan of? Oh, yeah, Bullock Returns to Bullock the Camp. Bullock Returns to the Camp. Yeah, that was a little unimaginative. <laughs> it was. What's up for the little children? Perfect. And then uh, No Other mm-hmm. Sons or Daughters. I do wonder what that's going to, I don't even know what the context of that could be. Um, except for something with Sophia, maybe, or something. Maybe, it's hard yeah. To know. Guess we'll see. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. All right.